Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome into the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. I'm Than Bennett sitting in for Bill today. I appreciate you tuning in again today. We have a we have a very fun show for you, and we have a very fun conversation lined up for this hour. I will introduce that to you in just a moment. But first, I want you to listen. Just listen to this amazing description that God, the Almighty God, this is a description that He uses for you and for me. This is Isaiah 43. 21. And I mentioned this yesterday, but I'm just going to keep bringing this up because I think it gives such purpose to you and to me in the days that we are living in. This is the prophet Isaiah, and it's a description that God has for us. Here it is. God says, the people I formed for myself that they might proclaim my praise. And I just think, you know, what a, what a glorious existence. You, you were made for the creator. You were designed with the purpose of praising the name of the almighty God. You are, you are the exact opposite of an accident. You were designed with a purpose in mind, and it is the highest purpose that I can possibly imagine. What an, what an absolute joy to be alive in this moment and in possession of that truth today. And so as as we lean into this conversation, I just want to invite you into it from that vantage point. I want you to I want to invite you to grow in the grace that is living from this posture of of joy and of purpose and of intentional design. I think that's I think that's the phrase I would I would have you keep in mind. Intentional design at the hand of your creator. Again, it's Isaiah 43, 21, the people I formed for myself that they might proclaim my praise. Okay, I am excited about this next conversation for a lot of reasons, but I think at the top of that list is the fact that I just, I just really like this person. This is, this is somebody who uh, embodies that proclamation of praise that I was just talking about. Uh, she is someone that I happen to share a lot of professional background with, everything from radio to, to advocacy to, to writing books. And we're going to talk about some of that. We, we even both have a, a little bit of, well, I call mine a hobby farm. I'll ask her what she calls hers. But uh, it's someone that needs no introduction to this audience. And usually when we get a chance to talk together, I'm actually a guest on her show. And of course, I am talking about my friend Carmen LaBerge, who is the host of Mornings with Carmen right here on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, Carmen was, was kind enough today to burn the candle on both ends. She hosted her show early this morning, probably while I was still asleep. And now she is back on with us again on the afternoon show. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Carmen, my friend, welcome to the show. Hey, Than. This is so fun. Thank you so much for the invitation. Now, now, normally, isn't isn't your day like well over by now? Isn't that usually how it goes? <laughs> uh, normally, um, in in this particular hour, I am um, chicken eggs, feeding cows, <laughs> tending to dogs and kids and grandkids and laundry, and thinking about putting dinner together. So, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. My work day is normally done by now. Right. I mean, like my my like get paid for work day. Well, I was going to say that the, the second half of that list actually sounds like the hard part of your day. The first part of that list sounds like the restorative part, but you know, that's, that's just me. Um, okay. Hey, listen, we're, we're going to do a couple of things uh, over the course of the conversation. And um, yeah, just for those listening, we're, we're going to talk about how to navigate what, what I think is a tricky space. It's this, it's this space of stewarding absolute truth in a, in a very wayward world and doing it with with a grace that draws others into relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to we're going to talk specifically about how Carmen does that. We're going to talk some nuts and bolts around her past experience and her current experience with radio. And we're also going to maybe try to apply that process to a couple of current events. And so we'll have a little fun along the way and uh, I actually want to want to start with that. Um, Carmen, I I intentionally did not tell you I was going to do this because I don't know how it's going to go. Um, but that's kind of what makes it fun. So, so here we go. I want to give, um, I want to give those who are listening a little bit of a peek behind the radio curtain and I'm going to do it at my own expense. I have been, I've been doing some form of radio for more than 15 years now. And Carmen, I'm sure you can relate to this. I've had plenty of whoopsie moments, right? Misstatements or technical problems or are you about to like are you about to play like a like a reel of audio of me making mistakes on radio uh that that would be fun it it would be fun (laughs) but it's worse than that but but it's not at your expense it's at mine because here's here's the thing here's the thing here's what i was going to say and you may know where this is going but uh my very worst radio moment ever and i mean ever carmen (laughs) it involved your show really and yeah and it was not your fault. It was totally my fault, but you paid the whole price for it. Uh, do, you, do you remember this? Do you know where no. I'm going? No. no. Uh, see, I love this about you. <laughs> I would remember if this happened to me. So I was scheduled to be on with you. Uh-oh. I knew it. I planned for it. And then some other things happened that caused me to scramble a little bit. And long story short, the next thing I knew, I was looking at my phone and I had all these missed text messages. I had these missed calls from your wonderful producer, Paul. Carmen, I just missed it. Do you remember this now? Well, yes, because when that happens, and let me just say this, Than, um, it wasn't my first experience of having a, uh, a, a conversation partner who, for one reason or another, wasn't there, wasn't there. And, um, and so I, I, just to let you know, I am literally always prepared to talk for two solid hours, just in case nobody shows up. That's so smart because I made you do that for, for (laughs) certainly for one part. And I I actually have uh, some of those similar preparations, but I, I've got to tell you, even like having this conversation with you makes me a little bit sick to my stomach. It's the only time I've been on that side of it. I've been in the, somebody no showed on me. And you just kind of have to roll with it. But there's like, there's no making up for that. So I, I guess I bring all of that up to just say, I'm sorry. And I'm glad we're both here today. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, you are forgiven. You are, yeah. you are totally 100% forgiven. You should let that go. And yeah, thanks for the privilege of being I, here today. I love it. You're gracious. And so was Paul. So let, let's, let's jump in here and maybe, maybe let's start with this. I, um, I, ju- I just appreciate the fact that you have had a full career using your voice for truth. You've done it in a lot of different ways. And I kind of led in with this. You've, you've done advocacy work. You're, you're an author. Uh, you obviously speak for truth here on Faith Radio Network now. And I just wanted to start with maybe asking you about some of your observations about how that work speaking for truth has, 
has changed over time. You know, we, we, we serve a God who's obviously the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the truth doesn't change, right? Mm-hmm. But when I, when I think about being an ambassador for truth, I think a lot of things have maybe changed. And so maybe just what are, what are some of your observations about that? What, is, what has remained constant and, and what things have changed? Um, so truth is a person. Hmm. And I think if I settle in there, if I settle in to the reality that truth is a person, Jesus came full of grace and truth. I am now a person who is covered in Christ, lives for Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Um, that means that I can, I can have the mind of Christ. I can know the truth. Um, I can't just like know like what is true in terms of this is true and this is false. I can know true truth because hmm. truth is a person. And so when I, when I separate sort of the sense that truth is some list of propositional statements hmm. um, that somebody else might say, well, that's not true. I can say, you know what? Okay, so here's, here's the reality. Jesus is the truth. He's also the way in the life. Um, but Jesus is the truth. Yes, he tells us the truth. He reveals the truth. Um, he, he is the one, I mean, who, who invites me to walk in the way of truth. So I think that that, that for me, Than, is I, the real dividing line. Truth is a person. And so I'm going to speak on behalf of, I am going to represent Christ who is the truth. And that is different than a list of propositions. That is so good, Carmen. And I, you know, truth is a person, capital P, and our audience or the, or the people that we're interacting with, the people that are, we're maybe speaking truth to, or who are speaking truth to us, the, those are people that need that person, right? And I, mm-hmm. I think as, as I was just listening to you talk, I was listening to you respond, the thing that was coming to my mind is I think that perspective helps us have grace. It gives us grace when we encounter, you know, followers of Jesus that that have differences from us. Maybe maybe we have a different perspective on, you know, uh, an interpretation of Scripture. Obviously, Scripture is absolute truth, and yet uh, all of us interface with followers of Jesus all of the time that have different perspectives on that. So I think, Carmen, I think the, the, the frame that you just gave us, truth is a person, allows us to have grace and maybe gives us a freedom to explore some of those differences with fellow Jesus followers who are people that need a relationship or have a relationship with that person. I, I think it builds grace. Yeah, I think absolutely. And so maybe part of that um, grace grows out of the knowledge that the— the Trinity lives in community, like forever and ever. There's there's never a time that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are, you know, at odds with each other, right? But they clearly do have real relationship. They're, you know, Jesus talks about he and the Father sending the Spirit. Um, Jesus goes before the Father in prayer. I mean, at, at one point, like, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, but not not my will, but but thine be done. That's a real relationship. And yet there's an absolute unity of of spirit throughout the whole thing. So I think it's we can work through things with one another. You as a person possessed of the spirit of Christ, me as a person possessed of the spirit of Christ, and we can still wrestle 
through some things together. Um, and we can do so in pursuit of the truth because that's ultimately what we want. Um, and as long as we just can mutually agree, we're going to wrestle with this and with each other where necessary until we arrive at the truth. But we're always going to do so um, in a spirit of grace. You know, I think that's I think that's godly. So good. So wise. And uh, we're, we're going to take a, a short break here. But when we come back, I want to dig into the how of that. I want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, nuts and bolts. You know, how, how do we apply this? How do we fill ourselves up with truth on a daily basis in order to be able to share it back out? How do we how do we have the humility to accept mm-hmm. when maybe our view of truth is is challenging? Where Maybe wouldn't we realize that we didn't have it all right? But Carmen, I, I appreciate that. We'll pick the conversation up on the other side of the break. I just want to remind you as we go to a break for, for you listening, this is, this is you. This is your mantle. You are loved by a big God. You are loved by the God who made you for the purpose of having a relationship with him. Your very purpose is to proclaim his praise and his fame. I'm Than Bennett sitting in for Bill. This is the afternoon show. My guest is Carmen LeBurge, and we'll be back with more right after this. When you sponsor a child in need, you change their life. Your child learns that God loves them more than they can imagine and that he has special plans for their life. Your child gets help with school and is taught leadership, life skills, and how to overcome poverty and succeed. Your child gets nutritious food and vital medical care that often saves lives. You might not be able to change the world, but for one child, you can change theirs. Meet the kids. Find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. I'm Than Bennett. In for Bill today, my guest is Carmen LeBurge. And Carmen, I'm, I'm grateful for you here. You're here today. I want to I want to get into uh, just a discussion about very very practically how do you walk this out on a daily basis? How do we advocate for truth? Uh, you know, nuts and bolts. Very practically, what does this look like? And I know we've already we've already touched on this a little bit, but you you talk a lot about having the mind of Christ in every issue, and, and you know this. And in, in, in my work, I, I write the equipped, and, and on my show, I, I kind of use the language. I wrap it in the language of, of of viewing all things in our world through the lens of the true and the beautiful. But here's the Here's the rub, at least for me. I mean, we live in this world that has all sorts of untruth, uh, all sorts of of ugliness, and a lot of things that does not reflect the mind of Christ. So I, I'm just wondering, how do you, Carmen LeBurge, on a daily basis, work to posture yourself in a different way and to interface with all of that ugliness and all of that truth in a way that does reflect the mind of Christ? How do you do it? Dan, um so the the mind of Christ and the the charge to have the mind of Christ i mean it grows in part out of what paul talks about the apostle paul talks about um particularly in in his letter to the christians at philippi so here you know i'm i'm talking about the book of philippians and you literally can go through that book and everywhere that you hear this phrase you read this phrase the mind of christ like just write tmoc out in the margin so tmoc that's what my husband and i so when we talk about the mind of Christ, we're just talking about Timok. So, um, you know, Paul says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, which means it's possible. So that's, that's part of this for me. Um, it is possible to have the mind of Christ. Paul had the mind of Christ. 
So if Paul had the mind of Christ and Paul tells us that we too should have the mind of Christ, then it is possible to have the mind of Christ on the matters of the day, on everything. It is, it is possible to know not just um, what Christ would think about something, but then to actually have the mind to do it. Because to, to possess the mind of Christ in something isn't just to think the right thoughts. It's to do the right things. Um, it's to be righteous. And so um, a huge degree of humility here and an acknowledgement that every single day, moment by moment, I have to ask the Holy Spirit to make it, to make it possible, to actualize it, to take my thoughts captive, to make them captive to Christ, as Paul says to the church at Corinth, like make every thought captive to Christ. That's a part of apprehending the mind of Christ. I have thoughts that are not godly. I think things. I think in ways. I have patterns of thought um, that are that are not righteous. So, um, humility, moment by moment, yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit, um, knowing the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, like and and actually like meditating on them. I mean, you're going to know the mind of Christ as you walk with Christ more and more and more when you're yoked to Him, and you're checking to see you know, where his foot is falling before you take the next step, um, you will develop this muscle, this mental um, acuity over time. It, it does happen. God is gracious to, over time, help us develop the mind of Christ on the matters of the day. The other part of this, Dan, and, and you got to check it with other believers who are trustworthy and who are also in, in, you know, in the Word. And I mean, there is a if I were just out there thinking things and there was nobody else in the culture who I trust as a Christian who's like nodding their head in the same direction, then I'm going to be like, you know what? The mind of Christ is not divided. So if Christian Carmen out here thinks she's thinking something and she thinks it's right, but nobody else is thinking, I mean, literally nobody else that I um, trust and regard uh, as Christian brothers and sisters, nobody else is singing the same tune, then I'm probably the one off key. So there's, you know, there's a humility in all of that. Um so I don't know. Does that does that help get started in the in the practicality part? Totally. And I, you know, I um, it makes me think of several things. Let me see if I can form them together. The, you know, number one, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And mm. for someone in the business of words like you, that is something that you need to take great care of. I would assume the, the, what the, the condition of your heart. I also think about. Uh, the fact that what your what your mind is dwelling on is is how you are going to act out. You talked about how, you know, this is something you do, not just something you believe or you think. You referenced the letter to the church at Philippi. That that's the letter that I get the language of wrapping the true and the beautiful around the mm-hmm. things that we consider in our world as well. Philippians four eight. Think on those things that are lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. Um, but let me let me just follow up on your last point there because. This entire Christian walk, this entire um, this entire lifestyle of pursuing a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and trying to lead a life that looks more like His and that is in proximity to His, it's a relational one. It's a it's a relationship with a person, and then it is it is honed in relationship with fellow believers. Now, the fellow believers are fallen just like you and me, but I, I want to I follow up on that last point about humility because this is, this is challenging. 
we, we, we have to stand on truth. We have to be bold about it, but we also have to realize that we are not Jesus Christ uh, himself or herself, right? I mean, so, so how do you do that? How do you trust fellow believers enough? And how do you know which fellow believers to trust in order to get that check? I know you need it, but how do you determine where to get that? So that is know the scriptures and trust the spirit. So um, this gets back to the beginning um, of a relationship with Jesus. So for me, Than, when I gave all of myself that I understood to all of Jesus that I understood at the time. So, you know, we're talking about um, a, a 15, almost 16-year-old person. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I... I didn't reserve anything for me. I gave all of him, all of me that I understood because I, I needed help every I, I needed I needed a savior for all of it. And I've never looked back. I don't do take backs. I, I'm dead. I mean, I, I get it when Paul says it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when you say, you know, we are not Jesus, I'm going to say, if there's any part of me um, that's not Jesus, then that's the part today that has to die. It's got to die. Um, and so, yes, does, does God choose to use, you know, a person who is called Carmen, who, I don't know, God may call something else. I don't know what my secret name is, you know, in the heart of God. But um, does... Does God use this mouth, these lips, this, this mind... Um, you know, sometimes this sense of humor to to speak to people, to compel people to think or look twice or think again. Do I, you know, do I play with words? Like I'm, I am good at some of those things. Um, but the moment that I begin to imagine that any of that is me, is time to die again. It's just, it's just time to go die again. Um, be and be raised with Christ and let my life be filled and animated by him. And so then your question about how do you know when, you know, when you're with other Christians who, you know, operating out of that same spirit, that's who I'm looking for, Than. I'm looking for Christians who also know they're already dead. Hmm. That is so good. And I am, um, I'm grateful. I'm encouraged by it because you know what? What, what better charge, Carmen? What what better mission in life than knowing that we can come to the end of ourselves, and that's actually where we belong, right? That's where the the, the mystery of God is unveiled. That's where the power of God is made whole because it's made whole in our weakness. It gives when, when we have that mindset, it gives us the confidence to walk into situations that we know are beyond us if we are doing it in the power and in the mind of Christ. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. Uh, I want to ask you about your your writing. Uh, but first, if any of uh, any of you out there listening have a question for Carmen, I love I love to do this. I'm, I'm usually on the receiving end of this. So I want some questions from Carmen from uh, the listeners. You can text those into 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four again eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. This is not a question, but I I want, I want to read it to you anyway. Carmen Tasha says, "I love you, Carmen. Your morning show is such a blessing uh, to go work, to go to work with." So Tasha uh, loves your morning show. Hey Tasha, yay! 
<laughs> She'll be back at it in just a few hours after the kids and the animals and making dinner and breakfast or maybe before breakfast. I'm not sure. Um, okay. L- let's talk about writing. This is, this mm-hmm. is another thing that, that you and I share. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm, it's one of many applications that you've applied this, this truth to. And it, for, for those listening, you know, m- maybe you've never written a book, maybe you never plan to write a book. I, I want you to listen to this conversation, this answer from Carmen with an ear toward whatever it is that God has instilled in you, whatever gifting uh, you might have. Th- those gifts are there for a reason. And I want you to hear Carmen's experience as a, as a way to animate those gifts. So, so Carmen, when you wrote on this topic, you know, it's basically the topic of speaking truth into hard places. Talk to us about that experience. What made you to decide to write and on that topic? And then I'm actually most interested in this part of it. What, what did you learn as a result of writing into that? So the book is Speak the Truth, How to Bring God Back into Every Conversation. And it really, that is a reflection of who I am and how I think. And one of the things that I learned, not, I didn't learn it fast enough and I didn't learn it early enough um, to write a better book. But I will say that the people who really do read and respond to Speak the Truth are people who think like I think. And when I say that, I'm not talking about, you know, the mind of Christ as much as I'm talking about they think with a modernist um, thinker. Their thinker works in a modernist way. <laughs> um, and and now I know um, that emerging generations, they don't—I mean, I even addressed it in the book that, you know, the emerging generations don't think like people who think out of a modernist um, mindset— um, and I make that observation and then I didn't make the pivot. I didn't, which is crazy, which is like in hindsight, kind of crazy. Like, right. If you know that emerging generations, they're actually not asking the truth question. They're asking the question, is it good? And then today they're asking the question, is it beautiful? Um, and so I kind of wish I had written a book that was like speaking the truth, doing the good and showing the beautiful or something like that. Right. Because I think it's a, far more more whole life holistic thing than just speaking it in a conversation it's it's um it's walking it out in ways that um that people can really see and respond to so one that's one of the things that i learned um the other big lesson for me is that um when you write it down and you tell it it is there in such a way that um that other people who are operating out of different life experiences and social location, you really can't anticipate how other people are going to hear what you've said. And so you do have to spend time very, very humbly hearing other people respond to what you've written um, because they, they have had a different experience than you have had. So th- those would be some of my some of my responses to your question. Yeah, the, the power of relationship in that I've had had some of that same experience, and we're going to go to the break here in just a moment. But I, your thought on uh, postmodernism and, and modernist thinking, my, my kids. I shared some of this yesterday, but my kids are actually going through a class that exposes them to some of the different ways that uh, of, of thinking and of uh, deducing and of, of reasoning. And, and I've got to tell you, Carmen, that the idea of postmodernism, that truth is a construct of, of, of the mind, it just, it hit them because of their upbringing as so <laughs> ridiculous. And I think there is a tendency or a temptation 
to sort of dismiss that way of thinking as ridiculous. And, and I, I personally do think it's ridiculous, but we can't approach it that way with those that we're interacting with if we want to draw them to the truth. We need to, we need to show them the power and the beauty of the truth. And then just to your final point, and we'll head to a break, if we offer them beauty without mm-hmm. truth, we have failed them. We have offered them nothing. We have offered them something without a foundation to stand on. And so, you know, we've talked about different ways to wrap language around this, but it's why we have to start with truth and it's why we have to end with why that is beautiful, why truth is beautiful. So I love it. I appreciate your your vulnerability and your feedback. We'll have uh, more conversation after the break. Maybe we'll start with a conversation about our farms. Uh, I am Than Bennett sitting in for Bill on the afternoon show. My guest is Carmen LaBerge, and we will be back with more right after this. The truth is a person. Those are the words of Carmen LaBerge, my guest on the afternoon show. I'm Than Bennett. Sitting in for Bill today, the truth is a person. Carmen, I appreciate that perspective. I want to, I want to ask you about your farm to start this segment. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I've actually got a, maybe a, a deeper question about this too. But first, I just, I just want to hear about this. You know, sometimes on your show we take a minute and we have Friday farm updates. This is not Friday. I get Tuesday. Tuesday farm updates. Tell, tell me about your farm. What's happening on your farm right now? So the Tuesday farm report um, <laughs> would include um, that. Jim, my husband, took Evelyn, our 10-year-old granddaughter, to the nursery today. Um, And now there is a trailer load of flowers and bushes and trees. Um, Evelyn is going to have a um, butterfly garden outside of her window um, at her new house. And Grandpa is, that was one of her Christmas gifts. And so that is a big project that's underway. But that also means that... um, Lots of flats of, of uh, flowers that apparently nobody um, nobody thought they would still plant this winter um, were at the nursery. And, you know, that was too good of a deal to pass up. So um, I hadn't planned on planting flats and flats and flats of pansies, but um, they're out there now. So I'll be doing that. That's, uh, that's the Tuesday. <laughs> it's always something, Than. I mean, it's always something, man. It's yeah. You just never know. I mean, it's like no. the, it's like Mm-mm. the perfect example of the best laid plans. You know, the man lays his plans, but the Lord orders uh, his steps. Oh, okay, so uh, Rosella texts in and she asks if you know what kind of chickens lay blue eggs. Do you know? Well, uh, among the chickens who lay colored eggs would be Easter eggers. Yeah. Um, and we do not currently have any Easter eggers. Um, but yeah, that would, I mean, there are actually several breeds of chickens that lay colored eggs. Um, we did have some Easter eggers at one point and right now, uh, we don't have any of those. Yeah. So we, we do right now, they lay beautiful blue and green eggs. Uh, we love them. Our chickens are among our favorites. Uh, so mm-hmm. that, that's fun. Um, let, let me, let me ask you a, maybe a, a slightly more serious question around the farm experience, because for me, uh, our farm just provides a little bit of, of recentering for me, and, and, and by recentering, mm-hmm. I should probably describe that. I just, I just mean a tangible sense of of being surrounded by God's goodness, the goodness of 
of God's creation. We had um, my, my Tuesday farm report. We had a billy goat over a couple of weekends ago. And uh, the hope is that our does are now expecting. And so uh, every night when I go out to, to close up the, the pastures, I, I, I always enjoy it. But there's something about now when I'm expecting that there's maybe a little bit of a miracle of God's creation that is is expanding. I it, it's it's a perfect way to end my day. So that's the for me that's the spiritual connection of our farm. I, I don't I don't know if you share that or not, but d- does any of that resonate with you? Why why do you farm, Carmen? Why do you do it? Well, um, I came here to this farm when I married Jim almost 13 years ago now. Um, but I grew up on a farm, or at least the very early part of my life, in Indiana. So I am a, a, just a farm girl at heart. Um, and I've, I've lived many other places where I did not have even a garden, let alone a farm. But the rhythm, I think the word that that comes to my mind is there is this rhythm of life on a farm where your attention is required as a steward of um, of of the garden and yes of the animals the stewardship mandate the it at creation um i get to walk that out and live that out in a tiny 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 little way every single day and that for me is a really important rhythm um you cannot think too highly of yourself when you are mucking out the chicken coop <laughs> you um you cannot be separated from the reality of life and death when you know when the coyote or the bobcat um or you know or the hawk uh, you know, takes off with the beloved Barbara, you know, the chicken everybody loved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you lose a calf, um, it's, it, there is a, there is a connection to not just the earth and the things of it and all of obviously the, the language of soil and seed and, um, and God's good provision, uh, and your reliance upon the sun and the rain, but not too much of either. I mean, on and on and on. I mean, I think that it brings the Bible to life for me. It keeps me connected um, to the soil. Um, I, I think all of those things for me, it's kind of a living, I live in a parable. Maybe that's the best way to say it. <laughs> I, I, I can so relate. I, uh, For us recently, it was the it was the dis- disappearance of the one-day-old ducklings uh, at mm-hmm. the hands of a snake. Uh, you know, not, oh, not, yeah. not a fun experience, but a good lesson, I guess, for, for the kids. You know, let me, let me, I'm going to move on and talk to you about your advocacy. But for me, the connection to creation care that comes from creature care, from caring mm-hmm. for creatures that God created. The pinnacle of creation? No. The pinnacle of creation was man. He created man to commune with him. But still, uh, creatures that he created and gifted to us. I uh, I often think about uh, Job 26. This is something that, that my kids and I talk about. That, that It's a chapter that talks about the expanse of the skies and the oceans and the heavens. And then it gets to the end and it says, those are all wonderful, but those are, those are just the outer fringe. They're the outer fringe of his works. And it says how faint the whisper we hear of him. And then it ends with this question that I just love, who then can understand the thunder of his power? And for me, interacting with God's creation and specifically his, cre- his crea- uh, creatures, it gives me a sense that his creation is still expanding. And we know just, just a whisper, just a whisper of that thunder. So 
I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate your, your experience. Let me ask you about your, your past in advocacy. And I know, you know, all of us are advocates. I think we're, we're all ambassadors of Christ. If we, if we claim his name, we, we all have a mantle to, to, to defend the oppressed. And, um, you know, we, we are instructed to be at peace with all men whenever possible. And, um, I think those things come into conflict sometimes, or at least they seem to come into conflict when we are advocates. And uh, to me, it goes back to a conversation we had a few moments ago. This is why we will look peculiar to to the world around us. I think advocating for truth comes with sacrifice. And uh, so I know you have served in a number of different advocacy organizations. I don't know all of them, uh, but tell me how that background informs how you follow Jesus today. Sure. Um, it's, it's so interesting that you use the word advocacy because I will just I will just confess I've never thought of it that way. So wow, I'm okay. trying to see you through. I'm trying to see me through the lens you just gave me to look through. Um, I uh, I have advocated um, for organizations to live by the confessional standards that they say they believe. Hmm. So. Um, the advocacy was often in um, in environments where a, an organization had drifted from um, drifted from scripture, drifted from its own confessional standard, and was affirming um, lifestyles among those in leadership that were no longer confined to um, the way God describes his uh, his good design for men and women. And so uh, marriage, I guess I would describe it as uh, marriage advocacy. I would describe it as church leadership advocacy, and that in those um, places and spaces, God has a design, and we as Christians are called to um, affirm that, even when it's difficult, even when it means some people have to be told no. Um, and so there you go. Uh, and and I would say that um, the driving, now that you've used the word advocacy, the the driver in all of that has to be the advocate, hmm. has to be the Holy Spirit. You cannot, you cannot go and advocate, even if you passionately believe in something, you cannot go and advocate for it unless the Spirit sends you, leads you, uh, empowers you, sustains you, and, and shows you where to put your foot every single, uh, every single step of the way, um, because it is a spiritual battle. It is absolute spiritual warfare, and you better know that's what you're headed into, and you better suit up in the armor of Christ every day because there it's it's the killing fields out there. <laughs> so I know that doesn't sound like super happy and fun, um, but it is the hard work of the people of God in the midst of um, of a dark world that is more and more and more in love with evil every day. It's the mission, and and we're going to head to a break here in just a moment. But it's so interesting to me that you have not um, used the word advocate in that or or in that context. Is uh, you know the, the the scriptures say that Jesus is our advocate with the Father, right? But mm-hmm. and He calls us ambassadors. And uh, I I view our very being on this earth as being advocates for that truth. And, you know, again, this, a lot of this is about wrapping language around it, but it helps me, Carmen, to think about when I wake up in the morning, what is my task? My task is to praise the name of the Almighty God, to lift his name and fame high. Yes, it's also to advocate for, uh, for his character 
to advocate mm-hmm. for his being and to call others and to draw others and to invite others uh, to his side. So I appreciate you uh, being willing to look through that lens with me. We're going we're gonna to take a short break here. After the break, the hour is flying by, but I want to make sure that we have a chance to ask Carmen about radio. She uh, lives every day in this space of radio, and I know some of the challenges that come with this. So I'm going to ask her about that on the other side of the break as part of how she advocates for truth in a, in a sometimes wayward world. Carmen LaBerge is my guest. I'm Than Bennett in for Bill, and we will be back with more right after this. Hi, this is Bill Arnold, host of the afternoon show. Do you uh, still believe God is good? I think oftentimes when you share Christ with people, they, they want to ask two questions. Is God good and can God be trusted? So do you believe he cares about the condition of you and your life and your soul? And do you think he still answers prayer? Well, I promise Susie Larson is going to help you wake up to the goodness of God and point you towards healing and wholeness. If you're in for an adventure of a lifetime and to be used by God, just text the word good to 877-933-2484 to get encouraging texts, prayers, and devotions from our own Susie right to your phone. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. I'm Than Bennett in for Bill today. My guest is Carmen LaBerge from Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Carmen, I want to ask you about that now, about your current job, your radio job. You communicate on radio every single day. I think it's uh, two hours every day. And then some days like today, it's a little bit more later on when somebody like me needs you needs to talk to you. Um, so my, my question is mainly about that volume of content and a, a lot of people turning to you to be pointed to the Heavenly Father every day. And, you know, may, maybe this is a, a little bit of a personal question, but I, I think I think it's important. You, you used the word rhythm earlier to think mm-hmm. about what is your rhythm of being in God's word so that when you turn and then share his truth with the world, you don't run on empty all of the time? How, how do you manage that rhythm? And maybe for somebody thinking about it in the context of their life where they are giving out so much, how do, how do you prioritize and how should they prioritize feeding their soul, your soul in order to stay filled up? That's such a good. Um, that's such a good question. So thank you for uh, the privilege of being able to share. Um, you can only give what. Well, you're only going to give what you're full of, and everybody's full of something, right? And you, you know, you want to be full of grace and truth. And so, where are you going to go um, to get that? And so, um, you know, I, I go to the love well every day in order that I might love well. And so, when I talk about you know, the truth is a person. Love is a person as well. Life is a person. Um, and so I'm spending time. There's never, there's never like time with Jesus and time not with Jesus. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like, right? So, um, so where are you in the Word today is one of the questions, Than, that I ask um, on my show very, very frequently. Where in the Word are you today? And I share with people where I am in the Word. And so it, it, the answer to that question is, you know, where I'm studying Scripture with my small group that, that meets on 
Wednesday nights at church. It's where I am in the scriptures with the girls I'm mentoring on Tuesday nights. It's where I am in the word with my Sunday school class. It's where I am in the word with Matthew as he's trying to memorize scripture for the first time. It's where I am in the word with my husband, Jim, as he's doing um, his study and the rewrites of um, of his book. Um, and then it's where, you know, where I am in the word with the congregation that I worship with. So, you know, right now we're in the book of Jeremiah. So for me, it's not a um, that's not a short answer to the question, where in the word are you today? Part of my rhythm is that, you know, at the lead of, of every one of my shows, I'm doing, you know, what you might as well call a seven minute sermon on whatever the verse of the day is. So I'm immersed in whatever it is that uh, is Faith Radio's verse of the day as well. Um, so where in the word are you? For me, um, is, a, is a person question as much as it is a Bible question. So I am dwelling in the one who is the word, and by the power of the Spirit, he is dwelling in me. And then in direct answer to your question about the study of Scripture, I am in the word devotionally in the evening because once my feet hit the floor in the morning at 4 a.m., it I am like a—I I am, yeah, I am on it. Um, yeah, I am, I, am, <laughs> I am running from the moment my feet hit the floor— um, so that, you know, at six o'clock when we're on air, I have accurate information. We're reflecting on it in real time. Um, you know, and then, and then at eight, I move on with, you know, the rest of my work day. But so for me, time in the word with the Lord is, um, is in the afternoon and in the evening. And like, you know, today specifically, I'm, I'm going to be studying after this for my, my, the group that I mentor on Tuesday nights. So it's, um, every day might have a little bit of a different answer to the question because almost every day I am with some group of people talking about Jesus and the word. Hmm. And I think as I listen to you, Carmen, the, the, the key that I think it translates to every one of us, whether we work in radio or, you know, any other industry, the key is that the Christian walk, the walk with Jesus is not a compartmentalized one, right? It is, right. it is all in. It's what you said at the, at the beginning of the show. It's giving everything to him. Um, so yes, I, we, we do need to be filled up. We do need to be in the word so that we can share truth with others. But, but really that is our entire being. It's not compartmentalized. So I, I love that. Um, let me, let me drill down a little bit. I think actually some of what you just said would be responsive to this question, but I want to maybe go a layer deeper on application. I think mm -hmm. probably what you just said is resonant with people who are listening. And I, I, I know that your heart is like mine and that we, we, we want followers of Jesus to, to, to meet this challenge with new energy every morning, right? New vigor, new mm -hmm. passion. Um, but I want you to speak to that person who has a, a set of, of giftings in their being, in their hands, but they don't know about how to put that to work for the glory of God. I, mm -hmm. I, I think very practically on this, I, and I, you know, it doesn't have to be huge. It can be the next step. But I would testify, and I think you would testify, that this is not a straight line, right? There, there are wins <laughs> and losses along the way. But I want you to speak to that person who doesn't know how to either take the first step or the next step? How do they apply their gifts uh, toward the gospel of Jesus Christ? God is always working. I mean, Jesus makes that very clear. My Father is always working. Um, and so God is working right now. And so look around and see where God is working, and then go apply your gifts to that. Hmm. So if God is working, um, 
in your, you know, on your street, in your neighborhood, in your home, if he's working in your community, at your school, um, wherever God is working, like go find somewhere that God is working and join him in that work. God has, God has given you every spiritual gift that's necessary for the accomplishing of his will in your life. So stop wondering what God's will is. God's will is that you would come work with him. So where is God working already? And then just go join him. You don't, you don't, you don't need to create some new thing to do. God's already working. So go join him in that. Is that I too love simple? it so much. Uh, no, no, no in, in fact, it, it brings to my mind Habakkuk two two, and this 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 would have been my answer to where I am in the scriptures. I, I love the book of Habakkuk, Carmen. It, um, it it's so applicable to our day and age. But Habakkuk two two, the God's response to really very similar question to the one I just asked you. Habakkuk wanted to know what to do, and God basically said, "Write it down, make it simple, so other people can use it." And mm. to me. That's the application of what you just said. It, 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 we don't have to overcomplicate it. In fact, the, 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 the character of Christ is complex maybe, but the truth, the gift that we have been offered is very simple. He came here and took our place for the things that we have done wrong. If we can put that into simple words, Carmen, I think that's our mission. I think that's what we advocate for, and I think that's what makes us ambassadors. Yeah, I think embracing your identity in Christ um, is huge, and then recognizing that the world is going to squeeze you. It just mm-hmm. is, um, and you want to be full of grace and truth when that happens. Like, what comes out needs to be what we're full of, and so go get filled up with the Word of God, um, and wherever you go, be an ambassador of Christ in that moment, using every gift, talent, and ability that He's given you um, to glorify Him and make Him known. Amen and amen. Couldn't agree with that more. Um, I am so grateful that you've been with us this hour, Carmen. I I meant to actually ask you this in a moment where we had more time. I'm only going to have about 30 seconds on the other side of this. Are you going to ask me to like resolve Israel Hamas like right now in like? No, we didn't. We didn't really get to practical. Well, I was just going to be like, I don't know how to do that in 30 seconds, man. Yeah, let's pivot. How would you resolve Israel and Hamas in 30 seconds? (laughs) It's a it's a uh, a clash of civilizations. Um, there's not a simple answer, and it's not going to be resolved anytime soon. I mean, it was, unless Jesus comes back, because that would be the ultimate resolution. There you go. I, I, I think that's right, <laughs> and I would— um... Well, I'm going to offer a thought or two on that, but let me first just thank you for being here this hour, Carmen. I, I, I love yeah, you. Thank you. I appreciate you. You uh, mutual, encourage man. me each and every day. I look forward to our next conversation, and I appreciate you being with us. Yeah, blessings. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, Carmen LeBurge, Mornings with Carmen's. I, I really do encourage you to uh, check her show out. She is a breath of fresh air. She is an encouragement uh, each and every day. The, her seven-minute sermon, sermons at the start of the show, they're can't miss. So check those out, Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, the conflict with Israel and Hamas, we didn't have time to get into that with Carmen in great depth, but I would just remind you, uh, we're talking about a people that have a special covenant with God. He he first offered a covenant to them, and then Jesus opened that covenant to the rest of us uh, at the cross. This is a conflict that we do need to be paying attention to, and so uh, make sure that you don't uh, close your eyes to that situation. Looking forward to Hour 2 with Tim Walsh. This is the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. I'm Than Bennett in for Bill this week, and we will be back uh, with more next hour.
Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.